correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, and at the moment, there is no other Steve. There may be one later. Transportation difficulties is all I'll say. But we're going to do a podcast anyway. But before I get into all that, I want to let you know about another show here on the D20 Radio Network, and that is Werewolf the Podcast, which is a retrospective podcast all about, as you just might guess from the name, the werewolf game from you know, White Wolf on X-Path, etc. And this is kind of, it's a retrospective show where they talk a lot about, you know, the original werewolf, the apocalypse. And I believe uh, just the last couple of episodes they've released as we record this, they've started into the revised edition of the game. But uh, it's a mix of, you know, reviews and, and discussion about the various books, interviews with creators, talks about different ways to use different aspects of the game in your home games. Um, also, I believe they do some actual play. So if you're into Werewolf, check out Werewolf the Podcast. And I'll put a link for it in the show notes because I don't have the feed address in front of me. Or just search Werewolf the Podcast. But uh, in any case, this is actually also me and Steve's 100th episode, which, um, yeah, I don't know why we've kept going this long, but we have. But in any case, to help celebrate that and also to talk about some cool stuff he's got going on, we brought back Egg Embry to the podcast. So uh, hello, Egg, and welcome back to me and Steve. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on 100 episodes. That's awesome. <laughs> Yes, it's either a, a manifestation of talent or bullheadedness. I tend to believe the latter, but <laughs> um, I, I appreciate that now with uh, me being on two episodes, I've been on two percent all movie episodes. <laughs> oh man, yeah, but no, I just figured it'd be fun to have you back on. I know we talked to you a while ago about kind of Kickstarter and crowdfunding, mm-hmm. but also kind of combination of then and since have learned that you also do some game creation work and Indeed I do. and such and um, figured it would also be kind of just a fun chat to kind of let people know a little more about the person who writes all these articles all these places appreciate that so <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in here and talk about the fact that y'all have a werewolf podcast okay oh so i'm from uh greater metro atlanta and uh white wolf the company started out in stone mountain georgia which is I grew up in Lilburn, Stone Mountain. We were the next town over, same town in some cases. So uh, one of my buddies ended up interning for them. So occasionally got to go over and be like, this is really cool. It'd be neat to do games for a living. <laughs> you know, and, and you probably know this even better than I do, but it, it amazes me, though, with all the talks I get to have with different creators, is how many people who, as a consumer of games, you think... You know, and especially going back to, you know, when I started gaming in the 90s and whatnot, you, you think that, oh, they've got a published book. They must, you know, I mean, how, you know, but how many of, of the people that are, are recognized, you know, small creators do it literally on the side mm-hmm. just blows my mind. Yeah. 
In some instances, it's getting better, but yeah, just tons of people that this is their hobby and bless their hearts because they make a make my Saturday nights more fun as I get to game. Yeah, but like, but I think though to a certain point, and and maybe I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but I think that may be why sometimes these small indie titles feel so much more kind of intense is the right word, mm-hmm. but it's because it's so much of a passion project for the people creating it. Amen. You know, like, I, I don't know if that's my theory anyway, is that that's why, you know, like how do I was, I'm not a big fan of the genre of, of D and D Pathfinder, etc. It's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. But if you compare those books to, you know, like a Chris Spivey's Haunted West, the level of, of passion that you can tell went into it mm-hmm. is it's different. Yes. And I'm not saying that to knock the the Watsi or the Paizo publications, because I think, you know, granted, there's been some controversy recently, but mm-hmm. in general, they're they're well done products. But I think just because of the layers of people involved, they lose some of the passion. Gaming by committee, as opposed to just GMing, it makes a difference. I mean, every time you're talking about a ICO, um, is the coast that's that's by committee. I mean, they produce great stuff. Not trying to take anything away, but you know, layers and layers and layers, as opposed to you know, Haunted West it is truly one creator's passion. Well, yeah, and I mean, look, you know, as he put on the coverage, Chris Spivey and crew, the the amount of people he brought in to work with him on that is. There's a lot of people. I don't even remember all of them. But at the same point, it was one person's vision really driving it. Mm-hmm. 100% agree with that. So anyway, you've got a, a, a little playtest thing out. Yes, I do. That you were kind enough to send me. And you sent one to other Steve, too. And he said it. He really liked it. But uh, it's called Human Almost. So I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit at some point here or now no, or whenever. Really. So let me give you the pitch. It's uh, all right. Human almost. It's a post cyberpunk based procedural that uses the forged in the dark rule set. If you're familiar with any cyberpunk TV police procedural, such as Almost Human, which this takes a good bit from, it's a good homage to that. Man and Machine, a Minority Report when it was on TV for that half season. Shows like that. This kind of takes some of that, you know. Prime of the week, let's go ahead and solve it in a single session. So everything's meant to be very over the top. You know, it's big crimes of the future, and you're a detective. Your partner's a synthetic, which means they're a robot. One human, one robot. That's the conceit. And y'all are going to go out and solve whatever kind of crime. So we open with the call to actually uh, investigate. Go and do your investigation, and you start putting together the clues as more crimes are happening, and you must save the day. Or the game... Want to do something a little different? This game is presented as a pamphlet, right? So mm-hmm. just it's two pages front and back. Thank you. There it is. But you know, it's two pages front and back. It's very condensed. It's the play test. There will be more pages as time goes on, but it's just trying to get you right there to where it's a very tight rule set. Want to do something different to where you have tags? So each tag is one to four words about your character, right? Okay. And end up with you have eight tags for your character. And then as you approach situations, you have to take and apply a tag to that situation, right? So if your tag is, say, cowboy cop, you know, when you go into the situation, whatever you have to do your role for, 
you would have to do it as a cowboy cop, right? So you're like, oh, well, it's over the top, you know? I'm going to do something big. You're not going to do anything subtle because you're a cowboy cop. That's going to give you that tag, which that tag gives you 1d6. Make a dice pool, basically up to four dice. Roll them, and uh, you take the single highest die and compare it to Forge in the Dark chart. See how well you did. Okay, okay. Now I... I... Now I get it a little better. I was a little confused at first, but it's it's a matter of you figure out which tags you can apply to the given role, and that's how you build the, the, the pool. Okay. Let me tell you this. I'm very excited about that, what you just said, right? When I rolled this thing out, it's like I said, it's two pages front and back. Like, I don't know what I don't know, right? I can GM this game all day long, but when you put it out into the wild, you don't know if it's going to work or not gotten feedback like that from people from, from gamers that have told me like yeah this is the part that doesn't make sense or that doesn't make sense and because it's a play test i can be so excited about getting that information well right it, it lets you know what you need to add in <laughs> exactly because like i think that's and i've encountered games like this actually bought one not too long ago on on drive through that apparently failed on kickstarter twice ouch and the pitch looked really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, oh, that's 10 bucks. Fair. So I bought it and I'm reading through it and I'm going, I like what this could be, mm-hmm. but I don't think the creator understood that the several hundred pages they had was a notebook for the GM that invented it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, they, I'm sure they play tested all the skills and the stats and, and everything they put in there. But, there's so much knowledge that as a creator, it's easy to assume that other people have. And Steve and I have even talked about this just as, as part of GMing that sometimes you have to be a lot more obvious than you think you need to be. Yes. Because it's real easy to assume that everyone else thinks like you. I earnestly hope they don't think like me, but I get what you're saying. I absolutely do. Well, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, in in the context of the conversation Steve and I were having, I think we were talking about like the clues that you leave for players to find things. And it's like, well, sometimes you have to make them what you think would be stupid, obvious because you're looking at it from the backside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, I would imagine, I mean, I've, I've fiddled with trying to write an RPG system before, but I've never gotten more than, you know, two or three pages into it. And then I set it aside and, my attention goes to something else, but I would imagine it's the same principle applies in that, well, yeah, you just do this when this happens. Well, that's fine. But if you want someone else to use it, you have to tell them that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Tangent, tangent over. We can go back to talking about human almost. No, no, no. Like I think that what you're talking about though, because while I've written a very, very, very small number of products, very small, these are the things that you got to learn, right? Because, you're right for what's in your head, and then you're surprised when other people don't get it. But, you know, you're right. You've got to make it very obvious. And that's the reason, instead of doing this one as, say, a final product, doing the play test, because I know it's not very obvious. I want someone to come back mm-hmm. and say, hey, this has a glaring flaw, and I can work on that. Well, it also feels like, and, and I don't have that much experience with Forged in the Dark. You know, I was telling you before but we started actually recording. I I do own a Forged in the Dark title, but I've never actually used it. And there would be... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ah, there he is! I'm here. Hi, Steve! Hi. Sorry, guys. Oh, good. 
Okay, let me turn on the other robot real quick. All right. I, uh, it's been a fun evening. We went to dinner with my parents. On the way back from dinner with my parents, got a blowout on the way back to my house. So I had to wait with my parents for the tow truck to show up. Fun. I'm sorry about that. Hey, not your fault. In any case, we were actually just talking about human almost. Oh, I, uh, my life is chaos. I haven't gotten a chance to read it, but it is so quality, dude. It's so nice. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I can at least speak to the cardstock that you use because it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like, I, I will say though, to echo what Steve's saying, it is, it's like, okay, yes, it's a play test. It's simple, but it's effective, mm-hmm. you know, and it's thematic. I like it. That's what I was hoping for when I put it together. That, and like you said, the nice card stock. I got in uh, one of Mothership's pamphlets, and it was this super nice card stock, so I went over to my printer and uh, asked them, do you have something like this? And they're like, yes. So I got them to replicate it in terms of just having the nice card stock. Did a really crisp job of printing it, so I was very happy with the final product and the way it looks. Yeah. I mean, like, it's... I Yeah. It's... And and the fonts and the layout you've used all kind of speaks to what it's doing. So my layout artist did an amazing job on that because that is my hurdle is I'm going to get X number of things done. And then when it comes to layouts, somewhere I'm going to drop that ball. That's the end of it for me. You can do stuff before that. And I can do stuff after that, but not layouts. So my layout artist, she did a phenomenal job. I'm super happy with the way it looks. This whole product really started because of an RPG called uh, CBR plus PNK, Cyberpunk. Mm, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. It's uh, it's also a pamphlet, and it's uh, also Forged in the Dark. And I saw it, obviously, big cyberpunk guy, because I did a cyberpunk game as well. And it immediately spoke to me. I'm like, okay, so these are the tips they gave me. Cyberpunk, <laughs> pamphlet, Forged in the Dark. I can take all those things and do my own version. Mm-hmm. And that game is a lot of fun. It plays really well. It's like any, because it's also two pages, it's like any RPG like that. You're going to have to fill in the blanks, right? Mm-hmm. His is really well done to where there aren't that many blanks to fill in. Like you got to think about the connections, but they make sense. Mm-hmm. So that inspired me to do this, and now I'm big into pamphlet RPGs. Collect as many of them as I can. Cool. I just not strictly pamphlet, but did you pick up uh, that compilation that... Um... Oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? The guy from One Shot, D'Amato. The the compilation book he did of one-page RPGs? Oh, I know what you're talking about. No, I missed out on that. No, I need to need to add that to my... Uh, in fact, I'd forgotten all about it, so you're saying that. <laughs> it's on my list, too, just because... And, like, how do I want to say it? Are they games that I would want to play a campaign of? Probably not. But they're great. Hey, a couple people didn't show up. There's only a couple of you. Mm-hmm. They're just fun, and, like, I know also, like, the procedurals and stuff. Like, not too long ago, we played a game of um, Mutant City Blues. Yes. And it was refreshing to play that, because it's a completely different style of game than, you know, with the procedural elements, and in that case, it's superheroes, right? Mm -hmm. But, yeah. You know, I may take this to to the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo with me and throw together a pickup or something. Very nice. If you do, I'd love to hear about it. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely let you know, because seems like it could be, you know, a couple of people, and okay, let's do this. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, all the play tests, I've generally had two players, because one human cop, one synthetic cop, 
and then uh you know you can add in more people if you want to but even numbers tend to work out better and it worked reasonably well they're short games you know under two hours you know something else you might want to check out because it just sort of relates to this in my mind Mm -hmm. um are you familiar with partners from tin star fortunately i'm not publishers tin star games steve d out of uh Australia. I don't remember which city now, but uh, but it's, he's got a game called Partners that is all about essentially games of you know two PCs, and in his case, you're more playing the scene than necessarily the characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, like I said, I don't know. In my mind, they connect, so I don't know if that's something you know, because I'm I'm sure you don't have any games laying around that you want to read. So me suggesting more. You know, it's, it's <laughs> um, so since I get some, I mentioned before this, but I get so many games to review, right? That I have literally to either side of me two facts that are higher than my head of games to look at. And then uh, Green Ronin just did their uh, 75% off sale. So, you know, a box showed up and I'm like, oh, oh, good. I got games to I got games to read. Oh, man. Oh, games. <laughs> You know what? It's a good problem to have, right? Amen. So I've got, oh, let's see. I don't want to think about the number of games that, that have, I got at least two free league titles. So the best. <laughs> yeah, well, I got the Twilight 2000 box and I got added the Mutant Year Zero onto it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really kind of excited to get uh, Curse Captains of Cthulhu. Nice. You know, they're, well, it's a side gig from the, one of the guys from Modiphius. Mm-hmm. So they use basically their Modiphius books, just not from Modiphius. Oh, crap. I just realized, too, I just got the PDFs for the second edition of Fragged Empire, too. God, my list is too long. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not anywhere near as long as yours. I mean, it's, a, it's a good list, and it's a fun list to have. <laughs> so let's, uh, since we're talking about great games that are coming... Should uh should we talk about one that is uh this, this one makes uh my, my belly button pucker and unpucker uh going to be coming to Kickstarter in October Monty Python's co-curricular medieval reenactment program I I have seen this on social media but I have not followed any of the links yet all I can think every time I see it is that if that had been released in the late 80s or early 90s, I don't know if D&D would survive, right? Everyone would have been like, oh, man, we're playing Monty Python again tonight. But you're I lush. am absolutely muted. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing and absolutely terrifying all at the same time. Because it's it's either going to be fantastic and i'm not saying anything about the creators or anything like that but oh man you do that wrong and it's it's literally the end of the world like (laughs) well i did see in the headline of the one the one thing like i said i didn't click link to follow the article but i did see that they are going to be feche lavash mechanics (laughs) good uh genius it's kind of like i mean not that it's on the same level but it's kind of like you know, Steve Jackson Games GURPS Discworld Edition. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, they're so lucky that that game is almost perfect <laughs> the way it is. Because if that was done wrong and didn't have Terry Pratchett, uh, like, officially signed off on it and work on that book, that could have been bad. Amen. Amen. Because there's only one person that can do Terry Pratchett's humor. 
and that's Terry Pratchett. Well, and maybe Neil Gaiman. But yes. <laughs> we don't talk about good omens. <laughs> don't watch the watch. Uh, Sandman. No, no, no. The 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 um Terry Pratchett. One of his um one of his Discworld books was about the watch, right? Got oh yes, into, yes, yes, yes. Got adapted into a show called The Watch. I didn't watch that. I need no, to. I, I have not either. It was it was not like if you're a Pratchett fan, it's probably going to be more upsetting than not. I enjoyed the show for what Ooh. it was, but uh, it was um steampunk, cyberpunk sort of thing to where you're just like, I don't know, was Discworld like that? Slightly different take on humor too. Yeah, that's oh, that's rough. <laughs> that's rough. Monty, wow. Monty Python is an RPG. I I love Monty Python, but boy, how do you make rule? Because <laughs> and you got to have the right group to do it. That is yes. a that is a group dynamic game that only works if you have like a very boy. I just uh, like I said, if it's good, it's going to be great. If it's bad, ugh. you said it's coming next month though to Kickstarter. One that I'm looking for like that that game. With the right, uh, as you said, right group doing a stream of that game. Genius. That would be genius. You know what they need to do? Well, I mean, I don't know. It's might be an officially licensed thing. Get the remaining people from Monty Python to actually sit down and play it. Uh, that would be so good. That would be so good. Yeah. It, well, and the thing with the Pythons, though, is like it's equal parts extremely satirical and just bleeping nonsense <laughs> yes yeah that's the big thing and i think it works because that's a lot of humor now is just absolute nonsense Amen. but like and, and some of it though like like the fish slapping dance <laughs> yeah who comes up with this crap or the um the dead parrot sketch yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh so much good so much good python you're gonna make me end up go home or like I'm home already. No, not go home, but go to the living room and watch like Life of Brian or um, yeah, any of the Python movies, or even just turn the show on again. <laughs> yeah, well, the show, the show. It, it, well, the other thing about the show is usually they kept the skits short. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and if they if they ran a little long, they were like, nope, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> they just hard cut that. Like they just. This skit has gone too long. <laughs> yeah. So much good Python. Ah, that's that's exciting. One of us is going to have to buy this, Steve. I think probably both of us are going to buy it. <laughs> you know, there's some books that come out that we both are like, uh, are you going to get it? Yeah, I'm going to get it. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to get it, too. <laughs> uh, so what other wild and crazy things are coming to Kickstarter? They're... Um, I'm well. Well, I don't know this is going to happen, but uh, if, if you might think of the Monty Python game as the D and D of comedy, right? And the Pathfinder right. of comedy is going to be when they launch the Benny Hill RPG, <laughs> oh. <laughs> or the Mr. Bean RPG. Oh man, Mr. Bean would be so hard to do as an RPG. <laughs> so good though, it would be. But how do you have a silent protagonist? <laughs> GM has to be silent. That would make the game. Just give him oh, a look. Good what grief. <laughs> good grief. Every all the other player characters and NPCs talk, but the GM has to be silent. Oh. Oh. Makes my brain hurt. Wouldn't do well for what streaming maybe, but 
Definitely not for make, podcasting. No, it wouldn't make a good podcast. But neither does Mr. Bean the show. So <laughs> it's a whole lot of wacky, zany music with nothing happening. Like, what? what's going on? I, I don't know. I can't hear. <laughs> oh. So oh, wow. you asked, uh, w- before the podcast, we were talking about um, gaming conventions, right? Mm-hmm. So right now on Kickstarter, uh, Ice and Dice a gaming convention that's going to be in Cincinnati, Ohio in January. Uh, and... Oh, cool. Your uh, your podcast, Werewolf the uh, Werewolf the podcast. Though mm-hmm. so Ice and Dice is promising the Dark Reunion, where they're going to be bringing together a bunch of the uh, World of Darkness creators, right? Mark Ryan Hagen okay. and blanking on all the rest of them. Anyways, creator basically creator of Vampire, Werewolf, a Mage, a Changeling, all, all the original ones. Wraith was what the fifth one, yes. wasn't it? And I bring them all back together. Um, first time though, we'll have been together at a convention in many, many years. We're running games and all that kind of stuff. So I want to go to that convention. I'm from Georgia and Cincinnati in Ohio in January. I've never like we get an inch of snow every year, right? That's what Georgia is an inch. <laughs> and uh, you know, on a good year we don't get any, but most years we get one or two. I don't know what to do. Like, ah, uh, do do you go to Cincinnati? I mean. I, I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah, we're both from Pennsylvania, so <laughs> and see, like, okay, our what our average snowfall here for the winter is what about two feet, Steve? On average, okay. I grew up up on the northern border of Pennsylvania, where our average snowfall total for the year was about ten feet. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're from up up near New York, so yeah, and and so like. It, it's it's a weird thing for me because people be like it's snowing like there was a, we had a storm a few years ago and uh, we got eighteen to twenty inches overnight mm-hmm. and I had to leave early the next morning and drive four hours to my parents' house because we had a family event <laughs> so I the first hmm, hour and a half of the drive. So from my house to, to Punxsutawney, yes, the Punxsutawney Phil Punxsutawney, which yeah, is okay. probably 50 miles. Yeah. I took the main roads. I could have driven a snowmobile from my house to Punxsutawney and not ground off the skags. <laughs> there was that much snow on the road. Like I was driving through eight inches of snow on the highway. Yeah, that was the year that everything shut down. Yeah. Yeah, I was working for the Pennsylvania department of transportation at that time, we were worried about keeping our main roads clear. That was it. But yeah, I was on, on, I was literally cutting tracks in eight inches of snow on the the highway. Mm-hmm. Doesn't shock me. But yeah, that would be a, a harrowing experience if you were not at all used to it. Yeah, like we, we know like, Hey, so 18 inches shut down where you're at one inch and we just close up shop. Right. It'll be gone the next day, but just like, hey, good deal. We're done. Well, here's what I would suggest. Here, this is this is my advice. Maybe take a plane and fly into Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and then just let somebody that's used to driving in the snow drive you around, Uber around. It's definitely <laughs> a thought. Because if you're not used to driving in it, the worst thing you can do is learn by fire. <laughs> uh, this is also true. Amen. Yeah, it's it, that is. That's my number one thought of like, do I go? And like you said, you know, fly in, have someone drive me around. That would be the best call. Or, you know, flip side of driving from here to there. And like, if I get caught in a snowstorm, like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. You yeah, know, I, I, I 
definitely know that I would very interested in in going and checking that out. Yeah, that would be because it's January and it's not too far to Cincinnati, Steve. It's only what five hours. Yeah. So since we're talking about it, it's forty dollars for the weekend pass, um, and then the rooms at the hotel, the host hotel, are eighty nine a night. Oh, that's cheap. About at all. And what little I can see of the hotel, it looks really nice. And you're yeah. across the street from a mall. So know how, like, if you can go over there and eat or whatnot, but it didn't seem like a bad setup in any way, shape, or form. No, that's that sounds like a pretty good deal. Definitely check that out. Yeah. Because um, um, that would be something that we're, we're I'm cl- at least I'm close enough that I feel comfortable driving to Cincinnati at that time. Yeah, I mean, well, you never know what you're going to get as far as a big storm coming through, but generally speaking, I'm not that. Because usually we go out right before Christmas. We go out to my brother's house in Indiana because my nieces and nephews have birthdays and then Christmas and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so we just go out one big trip for all of mm-hmm. it. That would be okay. So what, just because I'm curious, I know you get to see a lot of games. What are like your, I don't say go-to games, but like do you have favorite genres or games that you keep going back to? So kind of. I play a. I don't think I play a lot, but I play a lot. <laughs> so uh, a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse and Forge of the Dark. But, uh, right now I'm running a campaign that's five e. Uh, you know, and we get around to doing our our game of the week. I'll get into that one because I, I got a long spiel about it and don't want to give it away now. But okay, there's you know any game that I can get into. One of my favorite systems though, bar none, is uh, the Year Zero engine. Anything from Free League, you know, I find that all those games that they draw me in, especially Alien. Every time I play that game, I'm I'm playing either Ridley Scott's movie or James Cameron's movie. They do an amazing job with the presentation and the actual game mechanics. I have the Blade Runner game. Really want to play it. The time is coming. So see, I uh, Steve and I have talked about Blade hmm? Runner and. It's really weird because we're both kind of in the same spot that we we both love the genre, the cyberpunk genre. Blade Runner is a fantastic movie, but I don't know if that's the cyberpunk I want to play. You know what I mean? I'm 100% with you. I feel this is the game and and not, not, not knocking free league at all, but I feel this is the game to where you have a small group of people and if everyone's distracted on their phone while playing... You got to sort of re-explain everything. That's going to be the right pacing to where you're going to be like, oh, this feels like the movie. I'm going to go through stuff very slowly. Oh, let me explain this again to you because you were on your phone. Okay, fine. That works. Like a lame joke. Yeah, see, I don't know. I, I'm I'm like with Steve. I like a fast-paced, quick and dirty. I'm a William Gibson novel guy, not necessarily like, I don't know. And I like Philip K. Dick's novels, but... I like a, I like my cyberpunk games to be a little bit more Gibson, less dick. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Legitimately, like, uh, playing Cyberpunk 2020 or something like that, it's a good time. Oh, yeah. Game rolls. Let me tell you something. Something that, that scratches that 2020 itch without the, like, tons and tons and tons of rules. Mm-hmm. Cyborg by Free League and... Uh, Jonas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, the Stockholm Cartel. Stockholm Cartel, it hits that itch of fast, mm-hmm. deadly, gritty, grimy, and 
it's not you can't even say that it's like oh this is impenetrable with the rules it's not to play the game the rules are two pages <laughs> and like the chaotic art style and layout that was mark borg mm. just adds because they did the same theme if you will but it just adds to the cyberpunk vibe oh yeah it is it's yeah i i Oh, I'm I'm waiting to get the shipping notification on that because the PDF is amazing, but I want the book in my little hands. <laughs> I I don't blame you, Steve. <laughs> I can't wait. I um I messaged Phil and told him to let me know when it comes into the shop because I want a physical copy so bad. Yeah, yeah. If you're into cyberpunk, that's definitely worth checking out, Egg. If you haven't already, I do not have the PDF of it. I did like uh, it was foolish and didn't back the campaign, so it's on my things i need to grab i have a list going from our from this podcast so i've got it written down <laughs> it like i said it hits that just oh it's it's all punk and oh it's uh, well I, I don't know if it's just the backer pdf or if the for sale pdf is done this way but the one copy i got as a backer the pdf is done in spreads mm-hmm. not in individual pages nice. So it, it, it just, oh, but like Steve said, the, the actual rules you need to play the game is like two pages. The rest of it is all just flavor and it, it screams that go big. And if it doesn't work, make sure you go out spectacularly. <laughs> nice. Go big or die trying. That's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I, I, I've recommended it to everybody that likes cyberpunk and then also simultaneously uh, the the Spotify playlist that they made to go hand in hand with it is everything everything. <laughs> so good, Ugh. man. That's a, that's that is a company that just knows how to make some fantastic RPGs. Amen. A, and a creator that just really knows how to make some fantastic RPGs. Yes. Put something in the water in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's like you said, you're, you know, like we were talking about before about the, the passion level mm-hmm. and the, you know, Morkborg cyborg just screams how much they're doing it because they love mm-hmm. it. Well, and I mean, it's not to always draw the same comparison, but it's like Gavriel Kuroga and, and hell Knight. There's such a passion mm-hmm. there in, in Gav's games that it's just, oh, which hell Knight is really, really freaking yes. cool. Uh, I got to do a review of that for Knights of the Dinner Table. Tell Steve earlier. Nice. And uh, it's a great looking game. So, like, it's easy to read. Font aside, it's easy to read. <laughs> well, he's also released a text-only version. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you do have issues with the fonts, you can get a text-only version to actually read and then go look at the pretty book. We need to get Gav back on the podcast. Yeah, that would be fun. So you're saying you play a lot of Forged in the Dark PBTA stuff. So are you then more of a mid to low crunch guy typically or? Okay. So I'm not high crunch, but medium crunch I enjoy. I just don't have the time to really get into a game like that, like a World of Darkness games. You know, that level of crunch, I really want to do that. But to sit down and like, okay, let me review the rules and then check everyone's powers, make the NPCs, blah, blah, blah. I have that kind of time in my life, so I end up doing a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse, Forge in the Dark, or games that already have all the NPCs laid out for me. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, makes sense. I find that if uh, more more things, the more things that are prepared, the happier I am. Mm-hmm. One of the only games that I make like the big exception for Greg Campbell of Nerdburger Games does Capers. I know that game. Uh, yeah, I used it for Game of the Week a while ago, but yeah, I nice. Keep meaning to pick it up, but it it yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan now. It helps that I met him. You know, we we live in the same city. Um, and I've been to conventions with him, and uh, I just really dig the fact that you're playing super-powered gangsters in the 1920s, right? And the card me- mm-hmm. or, and the mechanic uses cards. And I don't always love games that have a card mechanic, because this one has a gambling element. It just feels like part of the world. It expands the experience. And so when we play games like that, I'll take the time to beat up all the rules and, you know, make all the NPCs and do that because I feel the game is really worth diving into. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, though, like you said, uh, I, I have to go rules light just because that's the amount of time they have available. Now I hear you. I, I find myself trending that way. You know, I used to, and I, I appreciate good crunchy games, mm-hmm. but like you said, it's the time in the, and even as a player, like I'd like to know what I can actually do, mm-hmm. and yeah, like there's there's a you know Black Void I've heard is really good, mm-hmm. but it begs for you to spend a lot of time with it, and yeah, you know job podcast <laughs> life. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. But to to that same point, the reason I developed you know my RPG, uh, I've done one Powered by the Apocalypse, and I've done one Forged in the Dark, and not only is it For me, it's easier to wrap my head around creatively building those kinds of games because it makes all the peripheral stuff, the NPCs, the monsters, the test, need to worry about weapons, blah, blah, blah. It makes all that simpler. You can just describe the world, describe the mechanics, go. I had to do as much of the extra. So creatively, that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Isn't Forged in the Dark kind of derivative of Powered by the Apocalypse in the first place? would absolutely agree with that statement. Okay. I thought I had read that somewhere that when Harper, you know, first conceived <laughs> the Blades in the Dark, that it was heavily inspired by Powered by the Apocalypse. They both have uh, the, the the static chart of you need to roll this number, you know. So six is good, four or five is okay, three or less is not as good for Forge in the Dark. Then same basic concept, but double those numbers because you use 2d6 for Powered by the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And... You know, uh, generally speaking, we have, uh, if not playbooks, then really something close to it. And it's fiction first. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, uh, oh, no, please, please. I, I'm definitely grabbing, like, uh, Steve knows, based on the games I've been running recently, but me and fiction first games have become the, like, I'm going for that and going for games that are narratively heavy and dice light mm-hmm. because... I don't have the mental capacity to keep track of all the numbers anymore. I used to be able to do that. I, I probably still could if I really found a system I really wanted to run. Mm-hmm. But boy, it's so nice to have a system that just don't worry about. If you go a session without rolling dice, it's not the end of the world. And and it's kind of nice to have that. We've been playing uh, Retro Star on, on our Wednesday nights games. Nice. And that is a blast of a game. Especially because Steve knows I I take the seventy sci-fi and crank it up to eleven. <laughs> Everyone has player bell bottoms. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody's everybody's in velour suits and bell bottoms <laughs> and mylar jackets and yeah. 
Nice. Mm-hmm. So would love to play a game like that. That would be absolutely awesome. I'm talking about the rules light stuff, but at the same time, I'm running a, a 5e game. It's a diesel punk RPG. It's 5e and it's crunchy, but I'm doing so much stuff to try and make it less crunchy because like, I don't want to pull out a book and figure this out. So just roll a 20 and tell me what happens. <laughs> See, that's where I, we talked with Eddie Webb huh? not too long ago about Pugmire. Huh? And it was interesting because he said his kind of goal was to design the D&D that everyone remembered, not the one that got published. <laughs> I think he nailed that, yes. And, and like, you know, you hear that and you're like, what? But I get what he means because we all have these memories from playing D&D back in the day or whatever, and we never quite get there when we sit down to actually try and play the game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more that we've just forgotten all the surrounding miscellany that happened back then. Um, I wonder how much of that is also the current edition of D&D, because like, I still run an AD&D game for that reason. Right. Well, I, I used to run an AD&D game, because it's nice not having... like There are rules in AD&D, but one of the first conceits of AD&D is that, yeah, everything can get thrown out the window if you really want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, one of the first conceits in AD&D is like, well, you know, you don't have the book. It's not a huge deal. You're not missing anything important. Just make a rule up, and as long as it's fair and balanced to everyone, you're good to go. And and that's the thing that I think more modern editions of Dungeons & Dragons is missing, is that, like, no, it's okay. It's okay to just, just make it up. Yeah, it's fine. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Grew up on AD&D, right? Yeah. And it, it, it did have those rules, and I could swear that my, my, my DM's book, the golden rule was, your character dies, you're going to need to roll up a new one. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, I feel bad that that was a lot of people's experience with that game, because that game has a lot of narrative abilities. It's like the Dallas RPG. <laughs> well, but I think, and I think the OSR movement speaks a little bit to this, and I think the other part of it is, how old were most of us when we were playing AD&D initially? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we didn't see it the same way we see role-playing now. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that thought for sure. I know I listened to a podcast for a little while, for, you know, eight or ten episodes, that was, there was a guy who was running his middle school daughter and several of her friends mm-hmm. through Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And it was so refreshing to hear the kind of, innocence that they played with you know like i remember at one point hearing one of them say well yeah i don't want to go over there i'll get my boots dirty (laughs) and but you know when we sit down to play well we've got to go to where the monster is to kill it be damned what's in the in the way you know what i mean (laughs) and it's not that either way is wrong but that kind of innocence and and just you know not thinking about the end result but really you know, thinking like your character, that we lose some of that as we get older and and try to analyze everything to make it more efficient. Amen. I'm always uh the, the my players bless their hearts. I love them to death. But uh, when when you run into a situation, right? I'm a spellcaster. Let's just go through and like, well, how do I handle this with a spell? Like, we got to get through the door. Well, like, what spell do I have? Like, there's a doorknob. There's always that option. Like, oh, I could use, like, Mage Hand to open the... And, and there's Doorknob, and your character's got a hand. 
you make this work? <laughs> I have an axe. <laughs> well, there's a doorknob. Ah, oh, drop kick it. <laughs> it opens it like uh, fine. You drop kick the door, nothing happens. <laughs> Roll to see if you hurt yourself. <laughs> We laugh, but we've all watched it happen or done Amen. it. Amen. Oh, yeah. And I've run characters through it where it's like, I drop kicked the door. I'm like, okay. All right. Roll dice. I want to see. If you roll fantastic, I'll let this door open for you. If you don't, eh, you botch this roll, you're going to hurt yourself. And it's going to be funny. And everybody at the table is going to laugh as you're laying there hurting yourself. <laughs> uh Good times. Yeah. And that's, again, that goes back to the D&D that we remember. None of those things were roles that, like, none of those were roles that, like, the book would tell you to make. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the book would tell you not to make those roles. But don't make your players roll to open doors. Well, they don't want to open the door. They want to kick the door down. <laughs> yeah. It, but it, it is, you're right, it, with the modern games, that it, it's such a, a trend to okay, look, we don't have to roll for that, so we're just not going to deal with it. You just do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but it's nice. It's nice, the idea that if it's a frivolous roll, don't make it. Like, if if the outcome isn't entertaining one way or another, like, it has to be entertaining to have a bad outcome, and it has to be entertaining to have a good outcome. Mm -hmm. And if, if that's not entertaining, or even a middling one, then don't make your players roll those dice, because it's just not entertaining for anybody. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I. Well, that was our experience with Gumshoe when we played Mutant City Blues. It was like the point spend that they use for some of the stuff is like, it's like, look, you're trained, you're competent. Yeah, just blow a point on it. Don't even worry about rolling dice. But at the same point, that doesn't just let you, like, you can't just spend points willy-nilly because you don't know if you're going to need some. Right. So it it still creates that tension without rolling frivolously right laws is a heck of a designer really <laughs> so speaking of gumshoe and it being a great game i was playing that game one time and uh guys like okay we're gonna be playing gumshoe i'm like that's gonna be awesome it's like we're gonna be playing kids I'm like cool let's do it and he's like we're gonna be playing the peanuts i'm that, like this is the greatest can... gumshoe game ever that yeah that would be fun that would be a lot of that fun. Was amazing fun. Because I could absolutely see Gumshoe being able to do peanuts. Like, that's not a hard sell mm -hmm. at all. It was a great wow. game. I gotta, I gotta keep that quiet from one of my players, because he'll do nothing but bug me to play that game if I tell him. I'll be like, Can I play Charlie Brown? Was that actually something published, or was it a like a homebrew thing? Homebrew. Um, he, he, we have a... we Pre-pandemic, a bunch of the Atlanta creators would get together... Chris Tang, who at the time worked for Drive Through RPG, he ran that, and that was such a good game. And it hurt me because you know, like you just asked, is it published? If it was, I'd own every copy. It was just so much fun. You know, it's one of those stories like you know the world, and like it doesn't bother you that the beagles on top of his uh, uh, doghouse flying it around. You're like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Underground <laughs> bunker, bunker, these got full of stuff. Sure, okay. That's the beautiful thing about those, what do you want to say, more narrative type games, though, is that, like, because if you wanted to play that in a D&D, &D, then you got to stat everything out, and then... What are the stats for a beagle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, and, and so often you end up 
where then because you have it statted, now it has to obey mm-hmm. rules. Mm-hmm. And we all know what it should be able to do, but if you make it the stats fit what it should be able to do, now it's obnoxious as far as the power level. And it's like, well, no, it just does this because it does. It doesn't have all these special properties. It just does its thing. Like, we all understand what it does. I want to stat out the Great Pumpkin. <laughs> well, who's it? I, I've heard it said, but, you know, gamers are those types. If you give it stats, then they can <laughs> kill it. Yeah. That was the old that was the old adage. If you give it stats, they uh-huh. will kill it. That's why to this day the Lady of Pain has never received stats. Playing A D and D, so you got uh what's the name of the book with the demigods and all the gods? Deities and demigods? I I I had that moment where I was just like, Oh there's a buck. <laughs> Say the copper. But uh like, you know, it, so it's got all the stats, so you gotta go kill all the gods because that sounds wholesome and fun. <laughs> I, I like to play. I like to play the campaign that's after that one. No, I, I, I'm not even joking. Like I've, I've literally run my players through the campaign of, okay, well, a bunch of quote unquote heroes just killed all of the gods, and uh, now the world's falling apart. Congratulations. <laughs> that that would be fun. Like I had a, I had a player that wanted to roll up a mage, and I'm like, uh, well, um, magic doesn't work quite right, but uh, sure, go for it. And he's, what do you mean magic doesn't work? Well, the, the thing that controlled the magic is gone. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've done, I love running games. Like, but that's my twisted sense of humor is that like, all right, well, you were a hero. Congratulations. Now the city has to rebuild. Thank you for burning down the tavern. Now we have nowhere to drink and everybody hates you. <laughs> no more adventures. <laughs> the tavern's gone. So they can't meet. Yep. <laughs> Now you have to meet under the tree. We open at a town hall meeting. <laughs> I appreciate, like, that's taking, takes D&D in the right path, because it's new and different, and it's fresh, just because, like, well, there was destruction, and now there's consequences. Well, that's, I'm always about the consequences. That's, that's, that, Steve knows. I like the action-reaction economy in RPGs. Well, that's like, I, I've said it before, but that's, that's what make it, made Breaking Bad such a great show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was that there were consequences? Constantly. Yeah, it wasn't just you know. Good luck. It's, I'm going to go sell drugs. This will be fine. Fine. Oh, it won't turn out badly. <laughs> this won't turn out badly. <laughs> oh man! But how many times have you been that player where you're sitting there going, "Nah, this won't turn out badly." Every time. Every time. And I'm still shocked when it mm-hmm. does. Like, wait a minute. Dice didn't go with me. What? <laughs> this come back to bite me in the ass. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it, but it does it 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 makes things feel so much different when your actions do have meaningful consequences. You know, and not just the good ones. <laughs> Campaign I'm running right now, I'm trying to make sure that basically they don't get to kill the bad guys all the time, right? And they're constantly like, we gotta go get this guy because you keep bringing them back, jerk. Um, <laughs> everything's got to like like you said there has to be consequences but it has to be fun it has to advance not just the story but the characters mm-hmm. yeah i um I, I i sort of there was a period there where there was a well there was a video game came out called shadow of mordor mm-hmm. i think everybody was trying to copy what they did because they mm-hmm. had a, a nemesis system that was absolutely yes. phenomenal and there was a period there where that was a lot of like 
oh, well, you killed that guy? All right, well, his underling is this guy, and uh, he's going to step up, and he's going to be like three times worse than that guy was. Uh, that is genius. And le- left my players going, yeah, we got the bad guy. Whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's like you clear out the dungeon. Well, what moves in after you cleared out the things that were there? Cult. And that's when you switch from D&D to Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> you just call it good enough. Oh, man. All right. Well, you got anything else you want to talk about tonight, Egg? Uh, only other, like, I, I, I should probably, since started out talking about my game, appreciate y'all letting me do that. If anyone wants a copy, it is free on DriveThruRPG. It's free on itch.io. Just go in there, search for Egg Embry. That'll get you to where you need to go. And uh, it, it, it's human, dot, 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 almost. Cool. Also, just because I know we've mentioned... You write for Knights at the Dinner Table. Mm-hmm. I know you write for the D20 blog. You write for EN World. Where all can people find you and the things you do? Well, that You just got to look for me on social media because I don't have a, a website to speak of. Um, I write for all those, the Tesla Guild, and then anyone else will have me. And uh, I'm Egg Embry on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm not difficult to find. I you, found you. You just use everybody else's website. Yes. You don't need your own. <laughs> Technically, I have one that's 100 years old and will do anything with it. Yeah. Who has the time? Who has the time? Seriously. Very cool. All right. Well, sh- shall we do Game of the Week? Yeah. Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. All right. Who's going first? Not me. Not you? Not me. You want to go first, Egg, or you want me to? I, I got one. It's only going to take me about 30 minutes to go through how awesome it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go then. So, uh, we're going to talk about Mazes from Ninth Level Games. Have y'all played that? Okay. No. Okay, no. so Mazes from Ninth Level Games. This is my favorite uh, not old school, old school RPG. So, every character class gets one die, okay? So you get a D4, a D6, a D8, or a D10. That is whatever die you get, that is the only die you will roll. Okay? So if you get the D4, you're effectively like the wizard. And uh, there are four different stats that you have. Books, boots, blades, and body. Each of them have a different set of numbers that you're trying to roll, right? So for books, uh, the success is on a 2 or a 3. So if you're the, if you're the D4... Roll a two or three, you succeeded. If you roll a one, that also succeeds on most things. If you roll a four, which is your highest number for the D4, obviously, it also has a chance for success. So it's a really fun game because you just have the one die. You're never going to ask, like, hey, you just roll your one, and then you compare it against the different static blocks, right? So body is like six, seven, eight, nine is your success. If you have the D4 and you hit a four, you can roll it again to add to it. But as a game, when you're sitting there playing it, I played the Excellence, I played Mages, or excuse me, Excellence and Mace, Mazes. I'm saying the wrong word. Um, Mazes and, anyways, all the pop, pop, all of the Polymorph games use this simple system, but it's very fun. So I've done it Origins with them, and then when I got to uh, Gen Con, um, I was going to play the game. They were doing Mazes at Midnight. I was talking to the owner of the company, and they were going to have 100 people show up, and Gen Con had a problem where they didn't have enough GMs come in, so uh, they asked me if I'd run, and it was a great experience getting to run their game, 
you know, I had my own table and uh, it was a lot of fun doing something very old school, which is really simple mechanics. Very cool. Yeah, it does look really neat. I've written a couple of articles about it and then I've done two different zine versions of it. And now a hardcover. I have them all. I just enjoy the game a lot. It's the best, like, we need to play something. There's four of us. It's an hour and a half and we're just going to go through a dungeon and destroy, destroy, destroy. Have at it. Uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time doing character creation. Looks like they won some awards for it, too, like the Groundbreaker Award from the IGDN mm-hmm. thing. Um, and uh, I believe it's won in any. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, it's saying it was nominated for Best Rules. Thank you. That's what it was. Thank you. And won the, the Independent Game Developers Network Indie Groundbreaker Award for Best Rules. Thank you. That is it exactly. Yeah, I just found it on DriveThru and was reading it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm ready, or do you want to go, Steve? No, you can go. All right. Uh, how do you feel about the Muppets? I love the Muppets. Yeah. I have a game in front of me here, speaking of Nerdburger games, uh, called Felt, Friendship, and Feelings. Nice. Published from Nerdburger Games, the author's uh, Craig Campbell. Felt, Friendship, and Feelings is a tabletop role-playing game inspired by those puppet TV shows movies we love. And, man, I'd be so down to play a Muppets RPG Get on it, Disney. Come on. But in the meantime, I will absolutely be picking this up. It's $5.99 on DriveThruRPG for the PDF. It's a GM-less game, so it no GM is needed. Everybody plays a puppet person. You can create uh, characters and be off on your adventure in a matter of minutes, which is something I absolutely love. I just want to try it so bad. That does sound... Sounds fun and wholesome and just a really decent time. Yeah, also sounds like it'd be really fun if we'd spent a few too many hours drinking before we started. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> well, you end up like those older Muppet movies <laughs> or the TV show. <laughs> I mean, if you if it depends on how how intoxicated you are and what level, because like you either end up in the more modern era of the Muppets where it's very childish or in the in the older era where, you know, Jim Henson was making Muppets that blew people's faces off because they wanted to sell coffee. <laughs> oh. I'm going to play Waldorf and <laughs> Oh, so that, that sounds just, cool. It does sound like a great time, doesn't it? Yeah. I would love to play that game. Like, I like all of Craig Campbell's games. He does a phenomenal job with all of them. So that one, yes, would absolutely be a winner. Well, I'll keep you in the loop if I can get something going here. That would be awesome. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, we'll have to get you on to play something with us at some point. Would be a great time. Yeah, because I, 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 I really would love to. That just sounds like a really nice, relaxing game that I'd love to get into and just have a blast. I already have sort of a list of people that I'm inviting to play this game. <laughs> there's a name that comes up on. There's a name that comes up on this podcast a lot. That's probably getting an invite. Jesse. Oh, Jesse's fun to play anything with. Yes, but Jesse playing the Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> All right. So you done with that one? I'm done. What do you got, Steve? Well, I found a game. And, uh, of course, I get to have the expensive game this week. Hmm. Um, What's yours, $10? No, it's actually <laughs> uh, about 25 for the PDF. Oof. But this You're is from... You're bank on me, that one. Ulysses Spiel. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's a game called Space 1889, mm-hmm. 
And the kind of the, the first four lines of the pitch are everything Jules Verne could have written, everything H.G. Wells should have written, everything Arthur Conan Doyle thought of, but never published because it was too fantastic. <laughs> so it's eight, you know, 1870 and Edison invented space travel. And just, you know, your imagination takes off mm-hmm. from there. You know, you know, again, Verne, Wells, Doyle. It just, it looks, you know, I don't know anything about this ubiquity rule system that they use, but the setting sounds yes. amazing. Yeah, no, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, it's like a lot of fun. Steampunk in space is going to be a good time. Oh, yeah, yeah, but this feels a little more, like it doesn't feel steampunk to me so much as old sci-fi, which I know is a weird distinction. I get caught up on words sometimes, though, so ignore me. That's fine. It's fine. I think it has a lot of potential. No two ways about it. Yeah, like, like especially, you know, because, like, you know, some of the Jules Verne stuff, I mean, it, it really is, you know, if you put it in context, it is really out there yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could get behind that. That sounds really mm-hmm. cool. You know, let's say, you know, there's swamp season jungles on Venus. You know, dinosaurs, uh, you know, Mercury has all these resources, but it's inhabited by primeval life forms. There's all sorts of uncharted areas on Earth to go explore. You know, it's just everything from, you know, the foggy alleys of London to dusty streets on Mars. Well, this is a, that's the more recent version of it then, huh? Uh, yeah, 2017. Yeah, because I found an older version too that's, Interesting older version that was originally produced by a uh, GDW, which tells you how old that version is. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, tons of tons and tons of, of additional material for that too, though. Yeah. Well, just look at the, the source material. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but yeah, I mean, even just in add on splat books or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Oh my. Very cool. Steve. Nice pick. Indeed. Thank you. Oh, Oh, I, I was going to jump in with the, the, the thing that I wanted to say. So, again, it's your 100th episode. That's absolutely amazing to me. Congratulations. And uh, I'm really, really, really happy to have been here for the 100th episode. So thank you for having me. Well, I we really appreciate you coming on and being on for our 100th episode. And, yeah. And just having a conversation with us. You know, honestly, it's, it's yeah, we appreciate any time you're on. And any time you want to come back, if you got something you want to pedal or you just want to come talk about cool games that you know are coming out please hit us up feel free to let us know because you're welcome back anytime thank you mm-hmm. appreciate that and we will tell all six people that we paid to listen that you're coming <laughs> i mean i don't know how excited they're gonna be but hey you know <laughs> oh it's egg oh oh be one of those episodes we'll see look i think our show's like a grab bag right you Download the episode. You're never really sure what's going to come out. <laughs> well, I appreciate y'all doing this, and per hundred episodes is quite a bit. Yeah. With all that being said, we want to thank you so much for coming on, and remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Talk to y'all another time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you.
intro and outro music by the band 12 noon you can email us at me and steve rpg at gmail.com you can find us on twitter and rpgs find us on facebook at me and steve rpg podcast on discord at me and steve rpgs and as always all of these links are in the show notes thank you and be kind to one another Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.